Welcome to the Life is Creatives podcast. I am your host, Alex, and today I have Brittany, also known as Socially Her, on the podcast with me today. So Britt has been a social media manager since November and was actually able to go full-time after only a few months. So welcome, Britt. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Of course. I couldn't think of anyone better to do the first podcast all about social media management with. I know it's so much fun. And then we just did like a live a couple weeks ago that lasted, oh my gosh, like an hour. And that was <laughs> yeah. so much fun. We talked about like all things social media, how we got started, you know, so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And we had like a lot of engagement and a lot of people were just asking us some really good questions, but it started to get over an hour and we were like, okay, guys, we got to go. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we can talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is no time limit. (laughs) Literally. So I guess we should just say first how we know each other. So did we meet on TikTok or Instagram? I couldn't remember. It was one of the two. And then it dragged us over to the other platform. Uh, I think maybe it was like, I think it was Instagram and then TikTok. Um, And we just like followed each other. We connected. Um, And yeah, I think, I mean, social media in general is how we met. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think it was Instagram. And then like you said, we connected and we just stayed in touch and talked all about things, social media management and kind of gave each other advice and everything. And yeah, so do you want to tell us kind of like in your own words, um, just how you got started with your journey as social media manager as a social media manager and just how it's going and where you're at now? Yeah, no, definitely. So before I became a freelance social media manager, I was Working in marketing, um, I actually got my degree in marketing at U of O and then, you know, got a job out of college doing marketing activities for an office-based company. Uh, But I was also working cross-functionally with a social media agency. So I was basically, you know, the client and I got to see from like that perspective what it was like. And I just kept thinking, you know, like this would be something fun to get into. Um, And so... I did more research, came across TikTok. Specifically, I came across Socially Kels. Do you know Socially Kels? Yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I was, yeah, I was like looking at her content and like, I don't know, I probably spent like an hour, like 30 minutes or something looking at everything. And I was like, this is totally something I can do. I just need to start posting content. And then like eventually I can get clients and just do organic social media management for myself, you know, work for myself. And so that was what really pushed me to, start making content as I saw other people were doing it like socially Kels, and I was like I can do this I just need to be like consistent and so I learned TikTok I learned the platform and I was able to grow my account you know kind of rapidly in the first two months um and TikTok was really what like got me my first three clients um yeah, yeah. and so they saw me on TikTok messaged me on Instagram and the rest is history so Yeah, it was quite the journey. But like I started off from the perspective as a client, which I think is interesting and then worked my way into freelancing. So that is very interesting. I feel like I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah, it was, you know, it's I think it's really beneficial to kind of, you know, be like in the client's shoes and kind of, you know, see what it's like for them because they don't know a lot about social media. You know what I mean? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of uncertainty. And like, it's the agency's, you know, responsibility to help them understand that, like, you know, there's certain pieces of content that should be posted and other content that shouldn't. And like, we as a client, like, we don't know, you know what I mean? So it's, right. it's interesting being a client because I learned 
you know, from that perspective, but then jumping into freelancing, I also, you know, furthered my skills and learned more. So it was really interesting. Now, do you think that that's what has inspired a lot of your content is thinking of it as a client? I don't really, I, I feel like because I was in those shoes before, I feel like I know how to like better respond to clients now because they have a lot of questions, like even like smaller brands that I deal with, um, like they don't understand that, you know, I'm not necessarily like in the beginning, sure, we're trying to build brand awareness, right? Like just more visibility for the brand. But the more we work on your strategy, the more we're trying to, you know, increase your bottom line, basically. And so, you know, they're focused mainly on reach. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a metric we could focus on. But like, it's not like gold. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not what I'm necessarily focused on for you. And so it's like fun being able to answer their questions and educate them because I was in their same position once. Right. And we were kind of just chatting the other day about just like different metrics that we look at and kind of just comparing how we were both doing. And I think something that was interesting that we were both talking about is a lot of clients have a big focus on follower count, which actually isn't something that's the most important metric to a lot of social media managers. Yeah, no, exactly. Like at the end of the day, I feel like the only thing clients really care about is follower count and then, you know, revenue. Right. And like, I get it. I get being a client and like, you're focused on that one number that you can see, like that makes sense. But you know, at the end of the day, like that's not all that matters, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's important to focus on also when you're working with clients, explaining to them why you think that way, because a lot of clients just don't understand that. And it's important to not tell them like, oh, well, follower count's just not that important. And then they're going to be like, why? And it's like, you have to explain it to them in a language they know, because I've noticed, and it seems like you're noticing this as well, that social media is honestly its own language. And a lot of people that hire social media managers don't speak that language at all. So you really have to explain it to them, like down to the smallest little bit. Oh, exactly. It's like, um, I was actually just experiencing this yesterday. I was doing like a reporting call with a client. We were going over their analytics and like, you know, the language of a CEO, the language of a marketing specialist within a company, it's so different from the language of a social media manager because we see, yeah, social media number is like, or social media is numbers, but it's also kind of an art. Mm-hmm. But when you're a marketing specialist or when you're a CEO, like when you're within the company doing things outside of social media management, everything's more of a science. Like right. specifically it's, it's numbers, you know, it's calculations. And so like tr- having to try and understand their language is hard. So I get it. I get that. Like we have to communicate, you know, in a way that the clients can understand. Um, and that that's truly important. Yeah. And I think that a lot of companies don't really have a lot of insight into all of the moving parts with social media as well and when we were talking about this um, we were kind of talking about how even just paid and organic is completely different and a lot of companies don't even understand that like they're just thinking like social media and that's it and it's like you might need to be considering more like what type of social media manager do you need based on your goals because often organic social media managers get hired with the expectation to produce results from paid social media or paid social media gets hired to produce results from organic social media and then that's where that confusion comes in and the conversations 
can kind of just, you know, go all over the place. Absolutely. There's, you know, a lack in education there for sure. I mean, yes, we both do social media, but you know, the results that we drive are inherently different, you know, Mm -hmm. like organic social media managers don't have a budget to like, you know, work with, you know, we're just doing everything organically, trying to make the algorithm work for us instead of it working against us. And like page strategy is something totally different. I personally have never done page strategy. It's not something I'm opposed to. I think it would be good to tap into like maybe TikTok ads, um, especially since TikTok's a really powerful platform and it's only growing and they finally have their, you know, ad manager figured out. But yeah, I mean, they are so, so different. And I think that a lot of time organic social media managers get hired, you know, with the expectation to perform like a paid ad specialist. And it's like, that's just not realistic. No, it's not. And I think something else too is that a lot of clients want results like immediately. And with organic social media, it, it doesn't happen immediately. Like you kind of take those first couple months to really see trial and error, get to know each other, get to know how you work together and also get to know the brand and how to write for the brand, how to be the brand. And once you finally kind of work out some of those kinks and you finally have like, okay, I think this is a really good strategy. We're really ready to move. Then you have to test that. And then it's like, some things may work, some things may not. And it's kind of like just a trial and error game until you really find what works. And I think that that's something that can also cause that, uh, I guess, rift between client and social media manager is they want those results now, but we can't give it now. And it's not because we're not good at our jobs. It's just because that's not how it works. Exactly. It's, it is the long-term game. It's, I always, you know, tell clients on average, you know, expect like three months to see, you know, true results. Like don't expect me to work for you one month. And, you know, you get the results you expect. It's like, that's just not how it works. You know, it's, it takes time. It's a long-term game. It's not instant gratification, but like over time, yeah, you should be seeing, you know, more revenue, more clicks, like that should be happening, but it's, it's not going to happen the first month. Like I'm still learning about the company and, you know, the companies that act the expert, you know, people that work within the company are experts, but you know, they bring on me and they're like, we want you to be an expert the first month. It's like, whoa, I have so much to learn. Yeah. And I think that that's something too, that a lot of companies, I don't even know if it, the word fail to see you is right, the right word, but I think they don't realize that hiring a social media manager, especially like a freelance social media manager is a team job. It's not just like, hey, social media manager, do our stuff. Bye. It's like, that social media manager isn't the expert you are. So like you need to tell them certain things about your business and your brand and your industry so that they are able to be you because they can't be you if they don't really know you. Oh yeah, exactly. Like they have to give you, you know, enough assets, enough documents so that you can understand the brand. You know, most, most of the time I just ask for like um, a branding guide and like with Mm -hmm. bigger companies you know their branding guide is very you know it's it's large there's a it's not just like a page with colors and fonts and things like that like it is like a 10 page document with the voice you know everything the 20 logos like it's insane and so that you know alone can really help me understand you know the brand a little better but there's more to it there's more than just the brand guideline like there is you know, talking to people within the company and like 
learning about what's going on at the time. Like what, what can we, you know, make for campaigns? Like what should I be pushing out? Like there's so much more than just like learning the brand. It's what's going on within the company right now that we should be presenting on, you know, social media. So. Right. And I've even found too, that with my job now um, at my nine to five agency, I'm also starting to look at social media more in advance from like a PR perspective where it's like, we need to be thinking about Christmas right now. Like, what are we doing on social media for Christmas? What's the holidays? What's our campaign? Like who, what influencers do we want to work with? What brands do we want to partner with? Because if we start doing this too late, we're going to miss it. And I, that's something that I think when I first started, I didn't really know and I wasn't aware of. And I think I'm still learning it now. And it really hit me this year is just really getting ahead and it's like you can't really get ahead until you understand the brand so you know like what would be a suitable partnership what would be suitable for you but then I think that's also another struggle with like you kind of mentioned organic social media managers often don't get given a budget (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like you know uh the paid ad department you know they really plan this stuff in advance because you know especially during the holidays it's going to be a lot harder to do organic social media because Mm -hmm. companies are just pouring money into paid ads and so I feel like every social media manager knows that like during the holidays you know don't expect a ton of results just because we're competing against you know more powerful budgets that say we don't have so yeah and it's like that's why I don't know if you knew this or maybe I was just like not using my brain but I realized like a year or two the, the reason that a lot of influencers and YouTubers would do Vlogmas was to help their AdSense. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> During really? The holiday. Yeah, I didn't even know that. And I saw someone talking about it. I don't remember who it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because they get so much money during that time because they're posting 30 days and these brands are paying a lot more because it's during the holidays. Oh my gosh, that makes sense. I can't believe I never thought about that because almost every influencer does it. It's a lot of work though. Like I feel like some have stepped back a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's a commitment, but it makes sense now that you mentioned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even whenever, like I was doing, um, some daily vlogs on my TikTok, just kind of showing like the behind the scenes of like being a social media manager, like a talking vlog rather than like piecing together little pieces. And even editing those in a couple days in a row, sometimes I'm like, whoa, this is a lot. And it's like three minutes. So I can't even imagine doing like, you know, 11 plus minute vlogs every single day for 30 days. But I guess if the AdSense is going to be really good, then that might yeah. be an incentive. <laughs> it would literally have to be like my full time job to do that. Like I couldn't yeah. have any other accounts to oversee. Like it would just be you know me if I was doing YouTube. Like YouTube also is a whole different beast. Like I don't know about you, but I don't manage YouTube accounts. Um, I feel like you don't either. Yeah, we might have talked about no. that. I just feel like it's so different. Like I could do a YouTube short because I am posting on TikTok and stuff like that but like to make a video edit it like so much time and energy is to put into that and I feel like you have to have like almost a professional videographer to film you you know what I mean because it's just Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work and it's just you can't really compare it to a TikTok you know no and you would need an editor like I I remember thinking when I was in you know high school or something that oh I can't believe these YouTubers have editors like why do they need that this is their only job and now working in the industry many years later and doing this I'm like 
I wish I had an editor for freaking TikTok. Like, I totally oh understand it. Yeah, no, totally. I, um, you probably know this already, but like, um, my, my mentor was telling us that she used to use, I think it's called Upwork to hire mm-hmm. videographers to literally edit her YouTube videos. Cause she has a massive channel and, um, and then send it back to her and, Hiring someone from Upwork to edit your videos, oh my gosh, saves you so much time and they yeah. do a good job and it's like you can focus on other things revolving like building your business. So I think long term I might end up doing something like that, but yeah. I was even considering that for the podcast as well, just like um, probably not the first couple episodes because right now I'm kind of just feeling it out and, you know, getting used to it. But as it continues to grow, like I was considering hiring someone and just outsourcing them to edit the episodes because I'm like like any amount of little task or time that I can get taken off my plate is like a huge time saver for me oh yeah no absolutely there there is total power in outsourcing things even if it's just little tasks like being a social media manager there's power in outsourcing your social media needs which is literally you know why we're here Mm -hmm. no I totally agree and I think that that's something that for a while we've been explaining and we'll have to continue to explain until brands really get it which I think it's getting a lot better now is that now it's like social media management isn't even like a one-person job it's like a team because even if you do hire a freelance social media manager like they might have people that they're outsourcing to help them like an assistant or a graphic designer or whatever it may be and it's just crazy like how I feel like a couple years ago, it was like, oh, like social media manager, that's super doable. And now it's like, whoa, I need at least one other person. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the the more you scale your business, like the more you're going to have to outsource and get help. I mean, there's, I feel like, you know, there's businesses that, you know, don't even have content to send you. So like every time you make their content calendar, you have, the graphics are made by hand. You, mm-hmm. you're not giving given videos or photos to use. And so that takes a lot of time. And I think it's something that, you know, social media managers should think about before giving a rate because you're going to be doing more work when you're creating graphics as opposed to the company giving you, you know, content already. So I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I think when I started freelancing and pricing, that's something that I've learned over the last year or so that I when I first started, I wasn't even considering the amount of time it would take me to create the deliverables. I was only considering the deliverables. So (laughs) I was doing a lot of my pricing based on like, okay, here's the package. They're getting three posts a week. They're getting this much stories. They're getting this much engagement, whatever. But I didn't even think like, oh, I have to edit those photos or I have to create those graphics or edit these reels. And that's going to take me a lot longer than like 20 minutes. So my prices went up and I had to explain that to a lot of people. And I even offboarded a couple clients because I was like, I am working probably triple the amount that I'm getting paid for. And I just can't do it anymore. Oh yeah, totally. It's something like that we don't think about. Like I know for me when I'm creating my rates, you know, I, think about the value I'm giving the clients, of course. But then I also think about, okay, how how many hours am I putting into this? And I feel like I always, I always lowball it. Like, oh, it's going to be, I don't know, like say 30 hours a month and it ends up being way more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like the more we do this, the more, you, the longer we stay, you know, f- as freelance social media managers, the more we're going to know like, okay, this is realistically how much it's going to, you know, take. 
Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like experience dealing with multiple clients. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like when you start off as a freelance social media manager, I mean, you're going to be charging less, but as you go on, you can charge more because you know more about what you're doing and how long it's going to take. So yeah, a time thing for sure. And I think that's why, and you can jump in on this too, like why it's important to take maybe like one or two lower priced clients and learn it really well so that your third and plus client, you can continue to raise your prices because after that one or two client that you're working for less than really what you deserve and you see how much work it is and you're like, oh my gosh, like I need more money. You're never going to want to do that again. And that gives you more of that incentive to like, okay, I'm going to do this really well so I can build my portfolio, really learn how to drive results so that I can get those bigger clients. And now like I'm kind of at this point and I feel like you are too, where it's like, I'm not excited about every single inbound that I get. Like, yeah, it's cool. But if you can't pay my prices, I'm not doing it just to build my portfolio or to have another client because I know now how many times I've accepted things that were lower than what I wanted to do. And I ended up just burnt out and miserable every single time. Oh, absolutely. Like you have to know your worth. And I feel like you in particular, like you are worth a lot. You've been doing this. I think you've been doing this longer than me for sure. And it's like, you know, know your worth and be okay with not taking on clients that don't want to pay you what you're worth. Because like at the end of the day, like even 10 years from now, you're still going to have people like that, that don't want to pay you what you're worth. And so you have to be okay with just letting them go and just waiting for the next one because that person will eventually come. I know it's mm-hmm. at a point where I don't accept anyone under a thousand dollars a month. Like me neither. Yeah. I had my time in life where I was taking, you know, clients for 200, mm-hmm. 400, 500, 600. And now it's like, okay, none of that, that stops. Like my rates start at a thousand dollars per platform. Yeah. That's just how it is because I know how much time, energy and how much value I'm giving to the clients. So I just need to be okay with turning clients away because at the end of the day people not everyone wants to pay that so no and you have to think about and this is for anybody out there that's kind of struggling with their pricing or they're getting into social media management or whatever it is consider also your experience not just your portfolio but like for example did you go to college did you do any other jobs that could help you with your writing skills your photography skills your creative skills any of that or like how many other jobs did you have before this that also build up your experience, not just your freelance clients? Um, I don't know if that's kind of something that you thought about with yours, but I feel like I didn't think about that until probably like a couple months into my freelance journey. And I was like, oh, wow, I am really lowballing because I have done a lot of work to have the knowledge that I have. Oh, for sure. I mean, I've even had clients accept me because I simply went to college. Like, I know that college doesn't play a huge role in this. Like, I personally didn't know, learn anything about social media in college. We really just learned about, like, the marketing ecosystem. Um, But then once I got out of college, that's when I, you know, started watching YouTube channels and just, like, learning about social media overall. But you will get clients that accept you because you have a degree and the other freelancer doesn't. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of unfortunate, but, like, that's just how it is. And so, yeah, I do think that you have to consider your experience. And I, you know, do think that like, if you've ever worked cross-functionally in a business or you were in the marketing department and you worked 
cross-functionally with a social media agency. Like that's huge too, because you know what it's like to be on, from a client's point of view, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also considering what industries you've worked with, because for me, I believe that I have a little bit of a leg in hospitality because I work with big brands for my nine to five. So if a UGC opportunity is presented to me and it's a hospitality brand, I may stand out more compared to someone else because I do have experience, not with UGC, but understanding that style of a brand. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And it's like, I don't know if you would call that like your niche, but you're just more of an expert in that, would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, for me, I would say, you know, like my portfolio is really diverse. Like in the beginning, when I first started freelancing, I didn't want to say no to anyone. I was trying to build my portfolio. So I accepted anyone that came my way. And so like, you know, when clients ask, you know, what's your niche? Like, you know, where do you specialize? I can't, I literally tell them like literally any industry. I mean, I've worked with clients from all over the place. And so I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's kind of, I can leverage it as you know, saying I, I know a little about multiple industries um, and can really adjust. But, you know, I think some people, like if they're in the beauty industry, they want someone who is an expert in beauty. And mm-hmm. so I think there's like good and bad things about niching down and not niching down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that what you're doing now is great. And that's what I did when I first started too, was I didn't have any niche. I literally had a consultant. I had um, someone in fitness, I had a college, I had a chamber of commerce, like I was all over the place. But doing that helped me figure out what types of businesses I don't enjoy and what Mm -hmm. type of businesses I do enjoy. So I think if you're starting social media management, like you don't really have to pick a niche because you might think that you're going to love beauty and fashion or food and beverage or fitness or whatever it is. And then you might actually do the social media work for it and realize you don't like it. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, you're literally speaking, you know, where I was seven months ago or six months ago when I started, I mean, I thought I wanted to niche down in beauty and like, that was my first client. It was beauty. She was a last. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And then I realized, Oh my gosh, beauty is just not, not my niece. Like (laughs) they are so focused on aesthetics. It's all about aesthetics. And I'm like, I just, I'm trying to figure out how I can focus on aesthetics, I guess, but also bring the value. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so it's like one of those things where it's like, I I know if I focus on aesthetics, like they want me to, I'm not going to be able to grow this account. And so it's like, I realized, you know, okay, thought I wanted to do beauty. Now I don't, you know, and I'm still like seven months in trying to figure out, okay, who is my ideal client? What businesses do I want to work with? And so I'm still kind of like tapping into other industries that I haven't worked in before and like, you know, do their social media so I can learn more about who I enjoy working with and who I don't. So, yeah, no, I think that's great. So something I did want to ask you, which we feel like we've kind of touched upon many things over this conversation, but what is something that you didn't expect about becoming a social media manager? Ooh, that's a really good question. Something I didn't expect. Well, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much I learned so much, so much I learned. There was a lot of, you know, unexpected things that happened, but oh man, I'm not sure how to answer this question. Something unexpected. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I would, what? Oh, I was just going to give you an example to kind of like guide you. 
I was going to say, um, I don't know if you would say this is unexpected, but like, I feel like when social media managers or freelancers start off their career in social media management, they feel like they need to be an expert in every single platform. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's excellent if you can, but I also think like, it's not a bad thing to just choose two to three platforms that you want to be like a master in. Yeah. And you know, offer as a service. So I would say like, don't feel like you have to, you know, to be a social media manager, you have to be an expert in every platform because at the end of the day, like I only really do three platforms and I'm still successful and, you know, it hasn't been a problem. So if you can be a master in all of them, great. But, you know, I don't know. I'm okay with just focusing on a few. And I talk to other social media managers who like, you know, will literally just specialize in Pinterest. Like you can be successful focusing on, you know, one to three, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's realistic if you have like an agency and you hire people who are pros in each platform. So like if there's multiple people on this agency so that you have Twitter experts, TikTok experts, LinkedIn experts, but if you're just like a getting started one person show like you're freelancing, I think that you're increasing your opportunities by picking one to three platforms because then you're really really providing value on those platforms and can charge higher prices. Oh, absolutely. Like all your time and energy is going into learning those few platforms as opposed to having to learn like six or seven, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, I think it, it shows it's much better to be like a master in, you know, just three than to try and master all seven because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like not, so not every business needs to be on every platform. You know, you right. need to choose the platform that like, you know, their audience is in. And so I think that also helps you understand a little bit about like who you want to work with, like who, who their audience is. So you could also Mm -hmm. do it that way as well. I think just trying to tackle all platforms coming from experience is going to spread you so thin that you're just going to be trying to get content up with like no thought, no strategy, because you literally have to get the deliverables and then you're really not learning anything about any of the platforms because you're just spread too thin oh yeah no exactly and then you would also have to charge a ton more and like if clients don't want to pay a thousand dollars a month they're not going to want to pay three to four thousand a month for you to manage all of them you know what I mean yeah like your chance of getting a client you know I feel like it goes down I could be wrong but it's just gonna be harder to get a client with that budget yeah I think you're gonna need some good experience to demonstrate a solid portfolio with some credible brands and you're going to need the team to support it because some brands do get concerned about that and they get nervous like do you have the capacity to deal with this large of a commitment because maybe they do understand social media and if they see one person and they're asking for four plus platforms it might not even be the price that drives them away but it might just be that they don't think that you can handle it oh yeah for sure like You know, I even had um, a client before I took her on and we were just like chatting and getting to know each other. Like she asked me, you know, if you take me on, um, are you taking on too much? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I thought it was a great question and it was really sweet of her to like, you know, make sure that, you know, she wouldn't be too much for me to handle because, you know, she needs to have, you know, not priority, but as much attention as all my other clients are getting. So if you're 
man, if you're a one person show managing seven platforms, you have to be aware, like you probably can't take on a mm-hmm. lot of clients at once because you will spread yourself thin. Yeah, fast. I agree. So I've had that happen to me too. Like clients will ask like, do you have time for me? Or is this like, are you going to like be able to keep this commitment? Like they get nervous about it. So definitely don't commit to anything that you don't feel like a hundred percent confident that you can handle. Oh, absolutely. And like, you know, I'm still learning. I know we talked about this a little bit in our last live, but I'm still learning. Okay. How many clients can I have at once? Mm-hmm. You know? And like, I don't know about you. I don't know if you know your cap, but like, I'm thinking mine is between like six to seven. Yeah. Mine, since I do work nine to five was literally two or three. And that's really good for having a full-time job. Which that was even kind of pushing it. And that's kind of why I pivoted to trying to do more UGC type of work because it's just more manageable for me and sustainable for me as somebody who works nine to five because social media management is a lot of work and it's just not something that I'm able to do very successfully for enough clients to make it worth it financially on top of a nine to five. So does doing UGC part time, like, is it worth it for you financially? Are you making like more or less money from doing it? Because I tried doing UGC one time for a client. And oh my gosh, maybe it was because it was my first time, but it took me forever to put this video together. (laughs) So I would say like, not yet financially, because I just started a few weeks ago. But time-wise and the projection financially, yes, because I've had significantly more inbounds than I've ever had for social media management so quickly. And I've had the prices go up quickly. And I also feel like I have a good portfolio to show because not only do I understand how to create social media content, I have a hobby in photography and like not that I'm this pro photographer or anything by any means but I do have the equipment to be able to produce really good stuff which is something that brands are interested in um and I did just get an inbound that I'm waiting to hear back from and I'm like crossing my fingers it works out from a really big company (laughs) and for UGC that would be like a huge contract and it's only been like four weeks so gosh Yeah. And on top of that, UGC, a lot of times some people will reach out seeking out influencing opportunities or if they already filled their UGC spots, they have influencing opportunities, which is also something I can do. So it's kind of going hand in hand. And I just am finding that a brand giving me like 30 to 60 days to create X amount of content and do it in my own time whenever send it over and kind of like hand it off to them and that's that is a lot more manageable for me with my job than having to be on social media and planning and working in social media seven days a week every day because like social media is just very time consuming and it is a full-time job so it's just hard to do that after hours and on weekends and still have like a sustainable balance for me right exactly do you think that UGC is something that could turn into a full-time job at some point yeah Definitely. I do. I really do. I mean, I will see like right now it's like I'm not 
planning on that right now, but I'm trying to, like, I have goals set in place to make sure that financially I'm growing quickly because I think that this is more of what I'm interested in doing than social media freelance right now. And ideally, I would just love to get it to a point where I can put more away to pay off my loans. I can hire an assistant part-time and still have extra money that I'm bringing in for myself. Um, And then like, if I'm still making a ton more, then maybe I'll reevaluate at that point. But yeah, I I do. That's crazy. Well, good for you. Have you thought about, I mean, I know that UGC is still fairly new. So have you thought about like kind of shifting um, your TikTok that was focused on like social media to like shifting it to more UGC? Because I feel like there's so much opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, new thing that a lot of people are searching right now. That's kind of what I started to do. And my UGC videos do really well. So I'm kind of trying to keep my conversation about like social media, UGC and like, um, just connecting with like other people in the community in general. Um, because my LinkedIn content always does really well too, which is nice. Um, So I think like having that little mix of three, because I am still a full-time social media manager. So I think that like having the mix of all of those things is nice, but I definitely am trying to share a lot about UGC because it is such a trendy topic right now and a lot of people are interested in it. So yeah. That is amazing. Maybe UGC is something I should like tap into a little. I mean, I definitely need to be working on my photography and videography skills but I know that you worked with an account um for your like personal business that required you to do you know content creation Mm -hmm. and so do you think that's kind of where you learn you know your skills for content creation was like what was the company it was um it was like so it's called I think it's called all foods now but it was Coney Foods before like they're rebranding everything so we kind of put a pause on our contract because they just weren't up to speed yet to do TikTok because they're still finalizing some things. Um, but I did all the photos and stuff for them. Yeah. I was I think I was thinking of a different one. It was the spirit. Um it was um, I don't I don't think I did anything like content creation wise. Uh, yeah, them. like I might have oh, just okay. been practicing. Oh, okay, okay. I see. That makes sense. Cause I saw a yeah. lot of that. Um, but I think that like having clients where you can offer content creation it does help improve your skills and so like if you be if you decide to shift into like UGC you know you already have those skills and like Mm -hmm. that's something that I don't have yet like I don't have clients that I offer you know content creation to besides the influencer I work with I can film their TikToks but you know I don't do anything for her Instagram so I think like having that ability to be a good photographer a good videographer it's something you can leverage, like, and we see it with UGC, you know, we're seeing that a lot right now. Well, it, I think too, it also helped me figure out my niche of brands that I would enjoy working with. Because when I do, like, for example, I did like an influencing thing with for a beauty company, or a skin company. Um, and I think the things turned out fine, like the, the TikToks turned out fine. And I really enjoyed it. And I love the product. But it was harder for me to film that than it was for other products because it's just not as natural for me because I'm not like a big like I don't know I'm not big on like doing my hair and my makeup and stuff yeah (laughs) so it was a little different for me so I think it helped me find 
a lot more of like my niche which is cool um but I've also noticed too just being at my agency nine to five that the content creation expectations that like brands have is kind of legit like for our brands we seek out like professional photographers who do content creation for Instagram because these are really big brands and like we don't want just iPhone photos on their page like it's just not gonna do it and that's not because of our preferences it's because of the client so I think Uh like I don't think that necessarily every brand has to be like that. And I think we're seeing that now where a lot of brands are doing a more iPhone casual content approach, which is great. But I do think it's important to know that there are a lot of brands who that's not going to cut it. And for me, kind of what I've seen kind of looking at um, just the UGC creators that I've noticed have been killing it they're full-time now they're crushing it like they're really going up and up I've noticed it's because they're tackling brands that they can get those longer term high ticket deals and be doing things for several months for a larger cut rather than just one-off deals here and there for a couple hundred bucks so that's kind of the direction that I'm trying to go and I feel that I should have good content creation skills if I'm going to expect a brand to pay me that much for these longer term deals definitely and so with like the longer term deals um I'm not sure what the requirements are or anything but like does it still leave you room to do UGC for other companies as well or it yeah. definitely takes up way more of your time I think if you I think you have to kind of pick and choose based off the deal like for example the one that I'm waiting on now would be 15 videos on TikTok a month like creating them for them so 15 with a couple other smaller one-off deals here and there I think that's manageable for me personally but something that I did just turn down was somebody wanted one to two TikToks a day plus four to five UGC videos a week so I can't do that on top of a nine to five like I just don't have the time for that so I turned it down Mm -hmm. so I think it kind of just depends on like what their expectations and like deliverables are what do the budgets look like for long-term deals? Like, I'm kind of interested. So for me, I think it just depends, like, what I've seen is how much do you charge per video and then multiply that by however many videos they want. Um, and then you kind of have your rate there. So, like, let's say it's 150. Like, 100, 150 is, like, a good starting point for most UGC creators for a video. That would be, like, a little over $2,000 a month. So I think that's pretty, that's low, but that's really good for being new to UGC and starting. So, I mean, if you're thinking like two grand is like the base rate, like the small rate, you can kind of imagine how if you raise your prices to three or $400 a video, what kind of packages you could be offering. Because there are people that are making money off of doing videos for like three to $500 a piece. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like, I even think 2000 is still good. Like Me that's too. A, a mid-tier package for social media management. You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of why I was seeing it more more return for me financially because I can have higher ticket, I guess, packages, you could say, with UGC than social media. And it's more manageable for me because something, I guess, to answer my question that I asked you about something I didn't expect about becoming a freelance social media manager is you have to think about taxes. If you're an LLC, you have to pay certain fees to the state to be in business. Like there's a lot of other expenses that go into it that I think a lot of people don't think about when they first start because they don't know. And they're like, oh, I'm just getting two grand. And it's like, well, you need to upcharge that 
to pay your taxes. So, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to upcharge because at the end of the year, when tax season comes, like I'm talking to my accountant on Monday about doing my taxes quarterly because last year I ended up just getting this like, you know, huge bill that I had to pay in taxes because of the money that I made. I didn't even think about it. So now it's like my prices go up a percentage because what I recommend is talking to an accountant or somebody in your state and see what percentage you should mark up for taxes. Um, But which I'm not an expert. That's kind of just what I did. But yeah, that's something that I didn't expect either. So I think that's another reason to raise your rates is because if you're charging 150 a video, it's like, well, how much of that are you actually getting after taxes? Not that every single project is taxed, but it adds up. You know? Yeah. I am so glad that you mentioned that because I didn't even think about that. And I think the listeners are really going to be like happy that you said that because, <laughs> you know, I'm seven months in and I, I, I do think about taxes. I really do. But it's like, how much should I expect to pay out? You know, like, I don't even mm-hmm. know what that is. It 30,000? Like, is it 5,000? You know, I have no idea. Yeah. And so I think it's so hard to give advice on that because it's really dependent on what are you charging? Like, how much money do you think you're going to make? Like, how much, like, and everybody makes a different amount. Everybody charges a different amount. And, like, everybody has certain side projects where it's, like, you might be doing social media and then you might be getting side money from collabs or influencing or UGC or even something that's not related to social media at all. And I think it's, that's why I personally recommend talking to, like, an accountant who's a professional who can, like, really advise you on something rather than just, like, using... Turbo tax and guessing, but yeah. that's just me. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and also, I think people, you know, tax write offs are an important thing. Like, you oh, know, yeah. for, as a UGC, like, I don't know, you know, what, what your niche is, but like, I'm sure all your equipment could be a tax write off, like, uh, mm-hmm. makeup could be like a tax write off. You know, I, there's this girl that I follow on um, TikTok and she talks about, you know, what's considered a tax write-off as a content creator. And it's so surprising. Like you would literally it's a lot. guess. Yeah. I mean, my accountant had me write off the square footage of my office and my house where I film. Oh my and gosh. my Wi-Fi bill, how much money do I think I spend in gas to go do meetings or buy equipment or whatever it is, like your phone bill, like very small things, even just like if you buy a new desk, you can write that off if you work at your desk. Like it's, it's the smallest, smallest thing. So that's why it's, I think it's important too to keep uh, for anybody new out there that's just starting, start two Excel sheets, an income and expenses sheet and track like every single thing that you're spending money on and that you're making money so that you can just give that to your accountant and be like, here you go. And you don't have to look through all that stuff later. And then he might, or she might point out to you like, Hey, do you have an office you work in? Let's write that off. Like, do you rent? Do you have a mortgage? Let's write that off. What bills are you paying? Let's write that off. And it's really going to, you know, help you see that stuff a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. That is, I'm just so glad you mentioned that because I <laughs> I need to get an accountant and figure <laughs> all of it out because it's really scary. It's like daunting. And so. Oh, I know. So glad you mentioned that. <laughs> well, we've been chatting for a while now, so. How can the listeners get in touch with you after the podcast? So, great question. So, I am mainly on, um, well, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and LinkedIn, but I post religiously on TikTok. So, 
you can find me. All my handles are at socially her. Um, and yeah, feel free to connect with me on there. Um, so yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. Definitely connect with Brit, check out her content. It's super engaging, super fun. Um, and she's a really great person that you can learn a lot from. So Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. We should do this again down the road. And I, I can't wait to listen to this and send it to all for inviting me and having me on here. Yeah, of course. And we'll definitely get um, a TikTok live again scheduled soon. Oh, for sure. We should do that regularly. <laughs> yes, I'm down. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. We'll Bye. chat later. Bye.